Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero. Thanks for listening to The Tour Coach. These are the players, coaches, experts, stories, and insights from my work on the PGA Tour at my retreats or my downtown teaching center in Mobile, Alabama. My goal is to shed light and share insights from the people who I've gotten to know and meet working on the PGA Tour and teach it through my career. And I hope this helps all of us play, coach, and teach better golf. If you like what you hear, please give us a good review and take a look at our new Dew Sweepers YouTube channel or the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, where I've taken some time to share videos of help from my teachings, travels, and journeys. Got a great turnout. I think more will be joining us as we go. I want to thank Wayne, as always, for joining me and Jackson for putting this together. And Justin's not able to join us because he's overseas, but filling in for him is our special guest. Super excited to have him is Claude Harmon third. Claude, thanks for taking time. I know I talked to you the other day. You're traveling all over the world here starting soon. So I appreciate you taking time for sitting in with us and uh, sharing some of your knowledge and some of the experiences you've been through. Happy to do it. Um, you know, it's um, it's you know, your life's come full circle when someone that you hired in 2008 is now a superstar teacher. And uh, so your life comes full circle. Justin's doing a great job. I can't, I can't say enough of about him, how proud I am of him. And, um, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch his career and watch kind of the journey that he's been on and, and where he was when I met him. And I think I met him in 2007, 2008, when I was moving to Dubai and he worked for me for three years in Dubai. And then when I left, he kind of took over the running of the academy there. And then he moved over to Sea Island about three years ago. So um, I love him like a brother. He's like the brother I never had. And it's been fun to watch, you know, kind of how his career has progressed. And um, I'll be interested to see how it continues to progress. Yeah, I got to know him over when he moved to the States and to Sea Island and, and have gotten to be pretty good friends with him. He's just such a great guy. And, you know, I think we have the same passion about trying to help other people and, and help younger folks coming up. And uh, when you look back on, as you mentored him and you look on some of the things that obviously, I mean, it's no secret you're from a relatively famous teaching family. Yeah. My, my father, my father loves to tell me I'm the worst instructor in the family. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going, we're not going to let him have a voice in this one, but uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, you've had, tons and tons of success and grown up in, in that great family. I've spent a, a decent bit of time with your uncle Billy actually teaching oh, yeah. had some, had, some breakfast, had breakfast with Billy a week ago or so I was out in Palm Springs and the stories are priceless. I wish I just ran a damn recorder the whole time, but what are some of the things you learned about teaching golf growing up in that? I mean, you had to have been exposed to that from an early, early stage. Yeah. You know, Tony, I was, I didn't play. I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. I never played golf growing up and have never played golf at any competitive level at all. I mean, when I was, I'm 52 years old now, when I was growing up, golf wasn't cool. You know, golf was kind of old guys and funny clothes and it, golf wasn't what it is now. And, you know, obviously the Tiger Woods effect has had a huge effect. So I played other sports. I played, you know, football, I ran track, but uh, the big sport that I played in high school was tennis. Tennis was my big sport, still probably the sport that I enjoy the most. I just, my dad didn't push me to play golf. I think he probably was under an enormous amount of pressure when he was younger, you know, being the, the son and having the same name as, you know, my grandfather, Claude Harmon, who had won the Masters. And, you know, my dad, I think I tried out for my high school golf team when I was a freshman because I think, I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And I probably shot 60 on the front nine and packed it in after that. I just always was around my dad, my uncles, and my grandfather before he passed away. I was just always around them. And when I was probably 15, 16 years old in the summertime, I'd kind of hang out with my dad and watch him give golf lessons. My dad and his brothers, my grandfather was still alive then. We'd always, they would always do a golf school at a, in the summer at a place in uh, Ohio called Fairlawn Country called Frank Wharton, who worked for my grandfather for a number of years, was the head pro. And Akron, Ohio. And um, we would go there and the brothers would all teach. My dad would teach. And he let me set up the range. And I was, you know, setting up the driving range and setting up where everybody was going to hit balls from. And, and my dad was really big into video at an early stage. Um, you know, that was probably mid 80s. Video cameras were just starting to come out. 
And so I was the guy that set up the video cameras and just basically, believe it or not, it's my background in becoming a golf instructor is I just watched my dad, my uncles and my grandfather give golf lessons, which is, I think, somewhat different than a lot of people's journey. Most people were players. Um, a lot of people that are instructors played, you know, high school, junior golf, high school golf, some college, college golf attempted to play golf at the pro level. And I just, that just wasn't my, you know, wasn't my path and wasn't my journey. But what I did have was I basically had a ringside seat to watching, you know, who I consider, you know, my dad to be the best golf instructor that I've ever been around. And, um, you know, I watched him give golf lessons to members, but I really spent an enormous amount of time with him watching him give golf lessons to, to players. The first lesson that Tiger Woods came and took from my dad, he was, I think, August 23rd, 1993. Tiger had gotten beaten the quarters of the U.S. Junior, I think, which was at Champions, and Earl brought him over. That was the same summer. My dad had been working with Greg Norman, and Greg won the Open Championship at Royal St. George's and kind of went back to number one in the world. And I was just always around that environment. My uncle Billy, who you mentioned, was caddying on the PGA Tour at that time for Jay Haas. My uncle Dickie, who was in Houston at River Oaks Country Club, you know, he was working with Lanny Watkins, Curtis Strange, Ben Crenshaw, you know, those type of people. And my uncle Craig, who was at Oak Hill, they had majors there probably about every 10 years. And he was Jeff Sluman's longtime coach. So I was always around golfers. I was always on tour. You know, my dad played the tour. I've been told that about two weeks after I was born, we all jumped into the Ford station wagon with the wood on the side. And I was on tour when I was about two years old. And at 52, I feel like I've been on tour my whole life. So, and I've just, you know, turned out, I've just been incredibly lucky. You know, I, I believe that, you know, the journey that your life takes you an enormous, an enormous amount of luck has to happen and you know to be born into the family that I was born into and be around the people that I was lucky enough to be around it was just you know it's just been such an unbelievable experience and an amazing opportunity for me and one that you know I'm always very thankful I also take being a Harmon seriously you know it's it's important to me to try and carry on the tradition and the legacy that my grandfather started and then all the my dad and all his brothers, I mean, they've all gone on to do some amazing things. And I think that it's my job and my, my task to, to do a good job and to try and follow in, you know, big footsteps. Yeah, it's, it's been fun. First of all, everybody that's watching this, feel free to type in questions for us, for myself or in, and Wayne or Jackson, but Claude in particular, since we've got him on here. But what are some of the things that you learned watching your dad or your grandfather or, or any of your uncles that you would, if you look back on it, Claude, and you say like, hey, these are things that really helped me become better when I started out teaching. Like, what are some of those nuggets that maybe, you know, that, that would help some of these young teachers? Because obviously they, most of them aren't going to grow up with a grandfather that won the Masters or a dad <laughs> teaching Tiger, right? You know, I graduate like I, I majored. I went to Stephen F. Austin State University, which is about two hours north of two and a half hours north of Houston. I majored in political science, history and minored in ceramics. I got out of college and had really no idea what I wanted to do. And my dad said, well, you can come work for me. He was working at Lock and Bar in Houston at the time. And, um, you know, I thought, great, I'm going to go to work for my dad. And he stuck me in the back room for almost two years, which in Houston, Texas in the summertime is. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. The back room had no air conditioning. You know, I think the things that I learned the most from my father is, you know, the value of, of hard work, the value. I mean, my, if my dad tells you to be somewhere at seven o'clock at night, if you show up at 6.30, you're late. Um, he was and is incredibly hard on people. And, you know, it took me a long time to get used to it, to understand the method, but he always said that it was my job to beat him to work and it was my job to be there when he left. And so that kind of work ethic was just 
it was just not an option to not be a hard worker. It was not an option to not put in, you know, my dad, when I first went to work for him in Vegas, when we started the golf school in 1998, I said, what somebody on our staff said, what are our hours? And he said, the sun, you get here when the sun's coming up and you leave when the sun's going down. So um, I think I've been incredibly lucky to, to have someone that instilled those kind of values. My dad was big into your appearance and how you look, you know, your clothes had to be ironed. I mean, my, my dad's fired people for not having their pants ironed, their shoes shined. I mean, he gave him enough warnings and he finally just said, listen, I've told you X amount of times that you need to take pride in your appearance and the way that you do things. And, you know, he's, he's let people go over that. So I think my meticulous attention to detail comes from that. And certainly the work ethic um, that, I just, I've watched my father his entire life. You know, he's 78 now. I mean, he just, yeah, he's had an enormous amount of success, but I don't think anybody realizes, you know, how hard he's worked over the course of his life and the course of his career. And, you know, I'm very much an old school guy that way. I mean, I just don't think there's, there's no substitute for hard work. And I'm always looking for the guys that I work with, that I'm lucky enough to work with on my team their work ethic, their dedication means everything to me. And, uh, you know, Justin, Justin hates me telling this story. This is one of my favorite stories to tell about Justin and, and, and kind of our relationship. We opened up our golf school in Dubai in 2008. And I hired, I moved there in 2008. We opened, I think, in 2009. And I hired Justin. He was working at a club called the Montgomery, which was a, which was a factory. I mean, it was a lesson factory. I mean, they gave lessons morning, noon, night, they had lights on the range and it was the busiest, you know, golf course in Dubai. It was the busiest range. And so Justin came over and started working for me. And about, I want to say within the first year, he had his his birthday. And the weekend in Dubai is Friday, Saturday, because the Muslim holy day in the Muslim world is Friday. Dubai is Friday, Saturday. And so he came in and he said, hey, it's uh, my birthday. So I'm taking, I want to take, I'm taking tomorrow off, which was Friday. And, um, you know, I'm going to spend the day with my, you know, with my wife and my family and we're going to have a little party and go out. And I said, Justin, Friday's our busiest day. You're not taking the day off. And he said, yeah, but it's my birthday. And I said, yeah, I don't really give a shit that it's your birthday. It's Friday, man. It's our busiest day. You got to come to work. And he, you know, he, he got really, he didn't really kind of know what to do. And we'd been building this golf school. And I, I, I worked seven days a week, all day, every day, never took days off. And he, he started, no joke, he started crying. And he said, you know. Oh, I got to give a shit about this. He said, I just can't work for you. <laughs> and he said, you just expect too much out of people. And there's just, there's more to life than working. And he's like, I, I just, I just can't work for you. And I said, well quit that. And he said, what? I said, quit. I'll find someone else. And I said, you know, what you don't realize is I I said, I won't be here forever. And I ended up spending three years. And I said, one day when I leave, you could take over and run all of this. And I said, right now you have a, a job, but what I'm trying to do is help you build and give you a career in golf. So for the rest of your life, you have a career in golf and instruction and you can provide for your family and you can go on and do great things. But that takes hard work, that takes dedication, and that takes a willingness to make sacrifices. And if you're not willing to make those, that's fine. But I'll find somebody that, that can. And, um, you know, he, he left and he came back the following day and uh, said, you know, I'm sorry, you know, I, you know, it was my birthday. And, you know, I understand what you're trying to do. And, and so... You know, like I said, Justin's like a brother to me, but a year after I left Dubai, I moved to the U.S. in 2011, and he ended up running the, the, the golf school there. He had like six guys, and he calls me, and he goes, "These, you're not going to believe these guys. They don't want to fucking work. All they want is time off. I can't, can't get any of them. I'm going to fire every one of them. And I just, I'm sitting there, and I'm sitting on the phone call, and I'm just laughing. And he hears me laugh, and he goes, I know why you're laughing. He said, because you said the same thing to me and I didn't believe you. And so I think for, for me, hard work, how much you are willing to sacrifice. You know, I get, 
messages, emails, DMs all the time. And Tony, you, everybody thinks that what we do is glamorous. It's and everybody, you know, I get, you know, loads of guys saying, hey, I'd love to do what you do. And my first inclination is, no, you don't want to do what I do. You don't want to be on the road 30 weeks a year, juggle all the stuff you have. So I think hard work, dedication, and making sacrifices is paramount to success. I think pride in the way you look, pride in the way you carry yourself, the way that you conduct yourself, the attention to detail goes a long way. I've rarely met, you know, as you as you have, Tony, as all of us probably listening, we all meet through golf. We're lucky we meet amazingly successful people. I've yet to meet any of those people that are phoning it in. You know, the guy that that's at your club, that's a multi, multi-millionaire, you know, we've got at my club, I've got you know, we've got billionaires at our club. I've yet to try and pick any of these guys' brains and they just kind of nine to five it, phone it in and, you know, everything's just kind of easy. So um, I think hard work and dedication is something that's, you know, hugely important. And, you know, the other thing I think I learned from my dad is is the, the simplicity of the way he does things. You know, he always told me that you need to teach at a third grade level. Because your students don't care how smart you are. They don't care how many big words you use. And you used to always tell me, you're trying to impress the student with all the knowledge that you have. The problem is he's hitting shanks and you can't fix it. And so he would sit in on lessons, you know, early on. I can remember in the early, you know, 98, 99, he'd sit in on lessons, you know, and watch me give lessons. And at the end of it, he'd say, you need to see things faster. He'd say that student you had today, he struggled for too long. You left him hanging. And if you can't fix the problem and if you can't see the problem, go get another job. But you got to see things faster. And I think having that kind of, you know, I I would sit and watch my dad give lessons. I'd sit and watch him, you know, for hours. I mean, the amount of time we all spent with Tiger. And I'd sit and watch his eyes. I'd sit across from him and I'd video I'd video, you know, we had the V1 and we had the four cameras and I'd always have the videos on. And then after, at the end of the evening or the following morning before anybody got to work, I'd run the video when he was working with Tiger and kind of watch what his eyes were looking. And he had this extra look. And I've never asked him what it was and I've never been able to figure out what he was looking at. But I just studied kind of, you know, you watch a golf swing and he'd be looking at the grip and then he'd be looking up. And I was... So I always had the back camera on from behind the player. And I just, I'd say, yeah, I'm just looking, trying to get you another view. But really, I was just watching him and kind of watching where he was looking and stuff like that. And I think I learned a lot. I mean, I studied hours of video of my dad just teaching. I think one of the things that I could advise everybody to do, if you're not already doing it, record your own golf lessons. Record yourself giving the golf lesson to the student for an hour. Record it and then go back and watch it and watch it with a, a critical eye. Watch, you know, what phrases you used, what your mannerisms were. Did you, did you see yourself in the golf lesson get frustrated? Did you see yourself in the golf lesson kind of quit on the student? What was your energy level like? What was your delivery like? You know, could you have said things differently? And my dad was a big, a big guy. I'm sure everybody's heard him say this, but you know, his philosophy is you try and figure out what the cancer of the golf swing is and then figure out a way to say the same thing 10 different ways. And I think he's the master at that. And I think when people watch him teach, they're surprised at how he just basically stays on one thing. He doesn't bounce around in a golf lesson. He's not having a player work on four or five different things. He's trying to pick one thing. And until that player fixes that one thing, he's like a dog with a bone. He's not going to let you go. He's going to say, no, 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 no. Come on, let's get back to this, get back to this. So, um, you know, I've just been lucky to watch him teach and, and watch the way he does things. So I think videoing yourself gives you a really good opportunity to just figure out what you like about the way you teach and what you don't like about the way you teach. We got a couple questions, but sure. I, I loved, I loved all of that. And and I've been fortunate enough to obviously I taught a couple schools with, with your uncle, but I watched your dad teach two golf schools and it's exactly like what you said where it, but it was, and they were 
regular golfers. And I, it was, I was, it was a huge influence on me about how he would just stay with somebody till they got it. And it was incredibly simple. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody would be surprised for sure. I still, I mean, I, I work at a private club. I still give golf lessons to 25, mm-hmm. 15, 30 handicappers. You know, I, I don't spend all my life with tour players. You know, I've currently got a member at my club and basically he's probably in his mid seventies. His body's not great. Um, he doesn't have a lot of range of motion. And so I've got to figure out every day how to take a guy that doesn't really have a lot of tools in the toolbox and figure out ways to try and get him to hit better. And, um, you know, I think that you learn a lot from giving lessons to the average golfer. I learn, and when I say average golfer, non-competitive tour player that's an elite golfer, just regular golfer trying to break 80, regular golfer trying to break 90, regular golfer trying to, you know, get to scratch. And I think, you know, you learn a lot from those situations. I think you learn as much from that as an instructor as you do from you're working with tour players because, you know, the, the average golfer, I mean, that's the real world. The tour is not the real world. We're dealing with the one, the, the point one percent of the 1%. And so um, I still love giving golf lessons. I don't think I'd ever want to get to a stage in my life where I'm not giving golf lessons to normal golfers. I think it's, I think it's, really important. I think of what I do is I'm a stand-up comedian and the lessons I give to regular golfers, that's stand-up comedy. You know, Jerry Seinfeld does stand-up comedy. He goes on the road and tells jokes, right? Most comedians that you see in movies and sitcoms and TVs, they're stand-up comics. They go on the road, they play shows, they go to Vegas, they play, you know, they're stand-up comedians. And then you see them on TV and they're in a movie with you know, Bradley Cooper and it's a romantic comedy and stuff and everybody laughs at them. But at the end of the day, they're a comedian. And so I'm a golf instructor. I give golf lessons. I'm lucky enough to give golf lessons to great players, but I'm just like everybody else that's listening. I'm just just trying to help people hit it straighter, make better contact and, you know, try and keep things as simple as possible. Hi, this is Tony Ruggiero here, host of the Tour Coach Podcast. Thanks to our great sponsors, Shrixon Golf and Bushnell Golf, we're working to help spread the word about the Tour Coach and get more people to download and get more people to listen to it. I have so many DMs every week from golfers, from teachers, just people that are passionate about the game of golf that love our authentic, our raw approach. It's unproduced. It's just natural. It's from my travels, teaching and working on the PGA Tour, teaching at our retreats, just conversations with the very best in the world of golf. And we want more people to know about it. So Shrixon and Cleveland Golf and Bushnell and I have teamed up to give away some stuff. And here's what you have to do to win and help spread the word about the Tour Coach. All you have to do is go on to Apple iTunes and give a review of the Tour Coach, then screenshot it, and then post it on Instagram or Twitter and tag Shrixon and Bushnell and myself at the Dew Sweeper on Instagram or at Dew Sweeper Golf on Twitter. And what I'm gonna do weekly is draw from those people that tag me on social media, as well as Bushnell and Shrixon, and I'm gonna do drawings for Wingman's, Dew Sweeper Books, new Shrixon golf balls and wedges. We're gonna give away a ton of stuff each week over the next month. So spread the word about the tour coach, give a review, screenshot it and post it on your social media channels and tag me at the Dew Sweeper and at Dew Sweeper Golf. And we're going to be spreading the word and spreading the love and helping people play better golf. Got a question. How do you continue your education? Or is it a product of who you work with and alongside? I know for me, biggest opportunity I had was I I know you know Colby Touye down near your yeah, way. of course. And I had the opportunity way back with Smiley Kaufman to, to spend a bunch of time. And Colby and I have become close friends and good friends and work a lot. And he's been a huge influence on me and somebody I work alongside. And Wayne's always been a big influence. But obviously, you've got your dad and your uncles. But how do you continue to grow as a teacher, Claude? Do you, is, it, is it just from your dad and your brothers? Or is there other people that are around you? How do you keep pushing yourself? Yeah, I know I mean, you're I- driven. 
I think what you want to try and do as a, an instructor is challenge yourself to do the same thing that you're asking your students to do, which is improve, get better. You know, my goal at the end of every year, we just got through 2021. My goal at the end of 21 was to be a better golf instructor than I was in 2020. And my goal for 2022 is to learn more, know more. I try and talk to as many different people as I can. I try and pick as many people's brains as I can. I think, other than obviously my family, you know, two of the guys that I have have probably had the biggest influence on me in my career have been Greg Rose and Dave Phillips. You know, the guys that founded the the Titleist Performance mm-hmm. Institute. Um, I think Greg Rose is one of the smartest people I've ever met, and I and you know, I'm luck. I feel incredibly lucky to have Greg and Dave as part of my professional world, but also to have Greg and Dave as part of my personal world. I mean, you know, there have been a lot of situations that I've been in that I'll pick up the phone and I'll call Greg or I'll call Dave. I think the work that they've done has been, you know, truly, truly revolutionary. And I think the doors that they opened for everybody to be able to walk through, to me, has been kind of what has been one of the driving forces of kind of where modern golf is. And I don't think Greg and Dave and and the work that they did and do I don't think they get nearly enough credit because I think now I spend as much time, you mentioned Colby. I mean, you know, when I was in the early 2000s and the nineties, nobody was hanging out. No golf instructors were hanging out with personal trainers. No No golf instructors had, you know, physios and chiropractors as part of their team and Rolodex. Um, Nobody was going to fitness summits and learning how the body works you know, nobody was talking about 3D and force plates and biomechanics and all of that. And I think, you know, the the, the one thing that, you know, the, the guys at TPI did was they made all of this stuff mainstream. And so that has been an enormous input. I spend as much time as I know you do, Tony, I spend as much time with the trainers, the physios, the and the caddies on tour as I do with golf instructors. You know, yeah. so I'm always trying to pick the brains of other people. And I think, um, you know, we live in a, a information age. I mean, if, if, if you're not overloaded with information, there's something wrong with you because you can find information. You can find things to learn. I mean, podcasts now, I mean, everybody's doing, I've got a podcast. Everybody's got podcasts. They're a great vehicle. You know, there's, there's podcasts on non-golf, non-sports things that can be hugely, hugely influential. But I think it's, you know, I, I think it's a very, very dangerous place to be when you think you kind of have all the answers. I'm always, a lo- my grandfather used to say, that's my favorite saying from my grandfather, it's only what you learn after you think you know everything that really matters. And I, I am the living embodiment of that. We started a, the golf school that my dad's still at in Vegas in 1998. And from 1998 to the end of 2001, I was director of instruction. And if you think about the timeline from 98 to 2001, uh, I saw some pretty good golf. <laughs> and I saw, you know, the best golfer to me of all time, Tiger Woods. I, you know, I watched Tiger and my dad from 93 till, you know, when they broke up. I watched all of that. And as a result of that, I got to work with unbelievable players. I got to work with Adam Scott and Darren Clark and all of these players that were coming to see my dad. And, but I left working for my dad in 2001 and moved to Europe and started working on the European tour. And I realized when I got there, I didn't know anything. I just kind of knew what my dad said. And hey, it was good stuff and it was working, but I didn't really know anything. I just kind of knew. And I always, if I was ever really in a sticky situation in a lesson, my dad could always come in and bail me out. So when I actually left and kind of got over to Europe and the first real player I ever really worked with on my own was Trevor Immelman, who's one of, one of my very, very good friends. And Trevor in 2002 was the year I worked, started working with him. And I made a conscious effort that year to not call my dad, to not tell him what I was working on. And um, because I needed to kind of do it on my own and figure it out and make mistakes. I think it's hugely, hugely important for everybody that's listening you learn more from the mistakes you make than the successes you have. 
you know, and I've made so many mistakes. And I mean, I wish I could go back and give people their money back from some of the lessons I gave people because I didn't know anything. So I think it's important. And what I did that year when I moved to Europe and was living in London, I, I really wanted to try and figure out what was important to me in the golf swing. What I believed helped players get better, not what my dad believed or anyone else. And I think that's hugely important. You need, as an instructor, to have a very clear picture and understanding as to what you believe, not what me, Sean Foley, David Ledbetter, George Gankis, what they believe. It's what you believe as, a, as an instructor. And I think I always like use the analogy of being a chef. That's basically, I think, which, what we are. We're chefs. We've got all of these influences of what food, but ultimately, if you're going to be a great chef and you're going to open your own restaurant, you, you spend an enormous amount of time cooking, peeling potatoes, cooking other people's food. And then one day you say, okay, I'm going to open my own restaurant and I'm going to cook my food. And I'm going to take what I learned at this Michelin star restaurant and take what I learned here. And, to, and then I'm going to take it all and say, okay, what kind of food do I want to cook? And what are the flavors and things that I like? And so that's what I try and do. I try and f- tried to figure out what, what I liked and what I thought was important. You know, another thing that I make the guys on my team do um, here in Florida and in Dubai, and I, Justin and I started doing this, and it's, it was something that he carried on. We make the guys that work for us present to us at least once a year. Create a PowerPoint Mac presentation as to, hi, I'm Steve Johnson, and this is – what I, this is what I believe in the golf swing. Slides, text, videos. One, it teaches you how to learn how to do that. So you have to learn how to make a good, a good presentation, which I think is hugely, hugely important. If you're going to present for a conference or something, it better look good. You better know what you're doing. And so it teaches you how to put together a great presentation. But if you're putting together a presentation, like, you know, we've been lucky enough to many that people ask us to, to talk it coaching summits and PGA sections, stuff like that. So we have to put a presentation together. And, you know, if you've never done that before, putting it together is it's tough and you're trying to figure out what you're saying. And I think it helps you really get a clear, clear idea and vision as to what you want to do and what you're trying to do. I think it's hugely important. I think that's really important. I had the opportunity. I wrote a little book, very little with Matt Rudy. And I know you know Matt really oh, well. Oh, that's the best. And, and one of the best things about it was it made me actually had to sit and think about what I actually teach, right? Because we get so caught up oh, yeah. on Wayne Jackson and every day doing our deal that sometimes I don't know that we sit and evaluate what the hell it is we're actually telling people. Yeah, so for to sure. Me, to and me, that was a huge value. It's huge. And, and one thing I, I want to say, and I say this whenever I – talk to anybody about golf instruction and what we're trying to do as golf instructors, the bad lessons I give, and I give bad lessons, you know, I give them on tour. I give them at home. They affect me. They affect me on a, on a, on a human level. And it upsets me. It pisses me off. And if given a bad lesson, if a player didn't get better while you had them for an hour and they walk away and, they didn't get better. If that doesn't beat you up inside, you should get a new job. You should find a new line of work. Yeah. Because if you're not living and dying on your players at whatever level they're at, from a junior to a ladies clinic, if they're not walking out the door better, that is on you and not that. Yep. Regardless of their skill or talent level, it's on you because they called you. You didn't call them. You didn't say, hey, Mr. Smith, I'd really like to help you. Mr. Smith called you and said, hey, coming to you for a golf lesson, really struggling, and I want your help. Can you help me? And if you say yes to that, and that person walks out the door and isn't better when they came in, it's your fault. Yep. And they can be 1% better. They can they be don't. half percent better, but they can't be worse. They've got to leave the lesson feeling like they're on the right track. They saw something, heard something, felt something different than then they had when they walked in. And if you're not doing that and you're not thinking like that, please go do something else. Well, I see Claude in from the crowd here. And look, we got, 
we got, yeah, go ahead. Hey, Tony. You yeah. know, I think I, I don't, haven't really met Claude and don't know him very well, but I think he said one of the smartest things I've heard in a long, long time about, about how to get better. And, and, you know, I have some people that watch me teach every once in a while, not near as much as you guys do, but that, you know, they're all, uh, a lot of people are always looking for the answer to the test question. And Claude was smart enough to turn that back camera on and watch how the person figured out the answers to the test question using his eyes and what he was looking for, man, that's genius right there. I mean, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, you know, what do you do about your, you know, right arm in front of your body or your left knee or whatever. And, 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 you know, I mean, the reality is I don't really know exactly what I'm doing when I'm doing that. I'm teaching from my heart and from my gut and the art form of what I've watched people over a lot of years learn how to do. I don't really know what the answer is. It's just my instinct at that point, you know, taking over and, and, and offering a suggestion of, I think this is what's going to make the guy in front of me do better. And, you know, I think it's genius that he, he would watch where his dad looked, right? Because, yeah, agree. you know, I don't, you know, and, and I don't really know exactly where I'm looking. I'm, I'm just looking and then I'm making decisions and I'm making those decisions after every shot or after every third or fourth shot. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer to that is, but, but I think, I think that's genius that he was the Claude. I think you're genius to look, to see where your dad was looking. You know, and I mean, and that well, that lets you know where well, he's starting his form if, of decision. If I, if I asked him, if I asked him what he was looking at, he sure as hell wouldn't have told me. He wouldn't have told no. you. That's, <laughs> right. That's right. He would never sure. let the cat out of the bag. <laughs> you know, it, it let him let you try to figure out what his decision making process was, and and I don't really think any of us really know exactly what our decision making process is. We just we kind of have something that we're going by from all the lessons, all the experience, all the stuff that we've taught over the years, that's been reasonably successful. Thanks to all the people we've been able to learn from that I've learned from, you've learned from, and Claude, obviously you've had a great, you know, learning base as well. And, you know, I think that, you know, that's, I think that's genius that I've, I've not heard anybody say I watched where he watched, you know, I think that's great. Great advice for everybody, me, me included. Got that one extra look, and I still can't figure out what it is. And, and, I, and I had my old mentor, Wayne's as well, Hank Johnson, passed away last year. But he used to tell me all the time when I would try to get ahead of myself, because I was always early on, I was the guy wanting the answers to the test question. He would always say, you can't get 10 years of experience in one day less than 10 years. Yeah. But you could make the most of that 10 years. Absolutely. I think when I when I give lessons, I'm, I'm a big kind of analogy person trying to you know, figure out other ways to explain what I do. When I give golf lessons or I walk in, I always think of myself as football coach, you know, and he's got, he's got, the, he's got the, the plays on it. And so he's kind of got an idea of what he's going to do. And I think your job as a golf instructor is to think of yourself like a football coach and a football team. You've got to kind of figure out what plays you're going to run based off of what the defense is going to present. And then based off of what you're seeing, it's going to kind of, it change or help you think about what you're going to do. And what you're trying to do is you're just trying to have a long sustained drive. You're starting on the one yard line and the way you're going to score is if you just keep moving the ball, right? No 15 yard penalties, no fumbles, no interceptions, limit the mistakes. And so if you think about it, I always think about golf swings. If I'm doing something to a player my number one goal is in the first five swings, I want the player to feel, hear, or see something dramatically different. Dramatically different than what they came in with. So much so that there's, you know you've got them when they go, wow, that felt different. Oh, I haven't felt that before. I haven't seen that before. So when that happens, to me, that's like, okay, now we've just, we were on the one and now we've run a couple of plays and they were good plays. And now we're on the 20. Okay. So that's first down. And we moved from the one yard line to the 20. And then you run a play and the guy gets a big, big, great. Then all of a sudden, so you go from, okay, so now I've got some, I can 
do a couple of things here. I can maybe run a couple of plays, see if they work, maybe take a shot here, maybe not. But as long as the team keeps moving, we're okay. And you can say, listen, no, no, that's all right. We picked up two yards there. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. We're not going to have touchdown 40-yard bombs on every one, right? We're not going to hit home runs every time. So you just want to chip, chip, chip away and just keep making progress. doesn't matter how big the progress is. doesn't matter how big the gain is. You just want to ha- keep helping the player forward. Just move forward. And when they take a couple steps back, our job is to calm them down and say, hey, hey, well, and that's the one thing my, I think my dad is better at than anybody could possibly imagine. And I think if you asked everybody that that's ever worked with him, there's never been a bigger cheerleader than him. There has never been a guy that is cheerleaded more for his players than my old man. You know, I mean, and, and, and so I think that's why when he works with players, you know, Jimmy Walker talks about this all the time. He said, you know, just the fact that your dad just instilled so much confidence in me because everything was just so, so unbelievably positive. And that's another thing, you know, for as hard as my dad can be, and he's legendary for his kind of bravado and kind of, you know, he loves being him, but he's the most positive guy I know when it comes to golf. I mean, he will sit there with players and go, come on, man, you can do this. It's not that bad. No, that was a good swing. We're good. And so the player then goes, man, this is unbelievable. And so I think that's the other thing that, that I would talk to advise everybody on. You got to really be a, you got to be a cheerleader. Mm-hmm. You really do. I mean, you know, one of the things my wife and I go back and forth about is because when I get home, she's like, you don't really say much. Hmm. She's right. I, I don't really say much. I'm sure I'm boring to be around, but I've been talking all day nonstop and the energy levels up and you're just like this. So when I'm done, I'm just like, <laughs> get me the hell out of there. <laughs> and I think that's, you know, your energy level. And you know, when you're giving lessons, the, the, the player knows if you're getting frustrated, the player knows if you're getting frustrated, trust me, because we've all taken golf lessons and you can tell yeah. when, you know, when the guy that's trying to help you just bails out. Right. And so, you know, it's our job to to really, really make these people believe that we're trying to help them get better. That's a huge buy-in. So I'm always trying to have players feel, see, or hear something different. And then if you do that, then you know you've kind of got them because you're like, okay, well, if they haven't felt that before, that allows you to kind of go, okay, what, what direction, what am I going to do next? And I'm always trying to think ahead on if I change this. Like, again, my dad, I think, was great. He would always say that if you, if you find the real problem in the golf swing, whatever the cancer is, your job then is to find the one thing that's going to change all the other things that you're trying to change. Because when you look at a golf, golfer, 15, 20 handicapper, you're going to go in there and you're going to go, oh, man, the grip's weak. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad, right? And my dad used to always say, listen, people that come to you are like a doctor. They've got a broken leg. You know, they've got this, they've got that. But ultimately what they've got is they've got cancer and they're dying. If you don't fix the cancer, they're going to die. And so when you look at kind of golf swings, my dad would say, okay, what is the one thing that I can change right now that is going to change the five or six other things that you want to change? And in my head, I, I always think of the domino effect, right? In the golf swing that's over in about second and a half to two seconds, if you think about all the body parts that a player has and they're all moving, they can all move independently and all of this stuff and the player's trying to control all of this stuff in a, in a golf swing that's over in two seconds. And to be honest, as we all know, we're not really in control of a lot of it, right? And so... In my mind, most golfers have one thing that they do at some point in their golf swing that is the domino that then pushes all the other dominoes and they hit a bad shot and they say, man, I'm, I'm not even trying to do that. I'm trying to do the opposite. But that's the one domino that caused the other things that they aren't really in control of, right? And if you can find a way to reverse the dominoes, right? Get the one thing that's causing all of the other stuff. If you can fix that, 
then some of the other dominoes just start to fall and you don't have to change anything. That's the art of teaching. It's the art. It's so when I'm thinking about it, I'm, and I always think in my dad, it's the, the training and the, the stuff I have from my daddy. I would, I just sit there and go, okay, what is the one thing right now that I can do to take this player out of the pain that he's in right now that he's struggling? Because if I can get him to hit, do this and make a change, the quality of the strike improves or the balance improved or whatever it is, and they feel something different, then you can kind of go, okay, if I keep on this, I can maybe backdoor some stuff without the player even knowing it, right? Hey, man, that contact's really good now. Wow, I'm really starting to hit the golf ball more solid. My balance is a little bit better. And at that point, you can say, yeah, and you know what? If you just go ahead and make a little strength, strengthen that left hand just a little bit, man, you're really going to start to feel something different. And all of a sudden, they strengthen the left hand just a little bit, and then they hit a shot they've never hit before. But if the first thing you do is, hey, got to change your grip. We've got to change this. We've got to change this. They check out because they're like, man, I, how am I going to even hit it solid here? Right? So if you can fix one thing that is going to have a domino effect to the other ones, you can then make some small little changes that the player isn't going to be that averse to. Right. Because you've, you've, you've gained their confidence, you've gained their trust, they're seeing a different result, they're seeing maybe a different pattern. And I think that's, that's huge. That's, that's big for, for, for giving lessons. Last question. We got a question from Joe Foley directed towards you, to you, Claude. It says, Claude, what advice would you give to someone whose father is also an instructor? Hold on. I got to be able to read this thing. I got it. It says, well, yeah, yeah, what advice you would you give someone whose father is also an instructor or coach? Yeah, couldn't coach get a or deal with the comparisons to them at an early point in your career. Um, listen, I'm, my dad's 78. I'm 52. Um, you know, there are still people that, think the only reason I'm in this business is because of who my father is. Um, so um, there's always going to be, you know, if your, your father's in the same industry, you know, you, there's always going to be comparisons. And, you know, it took me a long time to be kind of okay with that. You know, that always used to kind of bother me. But at this point in my life and my career, I've just, I realized that, you know, I've been very lucky to, to do some pretty cool things. And, you know, I've had an enormous amount of doors open to me by my father and who my family is. But any door that's open to you, it's your job to walk through that door and then close it behind you and keep going. And, you know, I learned at a very young age as well. You know, my dad could be Butch Harmon and famous, but nobody <laughs> is going to, to, to keep working with me, keep hiring me and have me around if I'm no good at what I do just because my right. dad's Butch Harmon and he's famous. Huh. And he coached Tiger Woods. Right. So, you know, and I, I think I'm always I will never get there. Right. I mean, when your your dad's Butch Harmon and he's is who he is in golf instruction, I'll never get there. So I'll chase where he is my entire life, the success that he had and the things that he was able to do. But I will never get there because it's it's just unattainable. And, you know, so I think that's having if your dad's in the same business you have a, a daily reminder at times which is sometimes annoying but you also have a daily opportunity to say wow i can try and emulate that and i can try and get to that level because that's what i'm always trying to do right i mean i listen every golf lesson i give i'm always do it I, I do it largely in the back of my head and i think yeah i think my dad would be happy with that you know and 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 so some of the things that come with having, you know, a, a father in the same industry. Yeah, you're always going to get looked at that. If you get any help, there probably people will probably say, "Hey, you know, your dad's helped you." And that's also one of the things. My dad really hasn't helped me that much in my life. <laughs> I mean, he's probably been harder on me than he's been on anybody. And you know, he just he was old school. He thought, "Listen, you know, you got to figure this stuff out." And so, you know, he hasn't always been incredibly helpful to me and he's and i think that's been good he's listen you got to figure this stuff out i can't do everything for you and listen as much as there are times where i wish i wasn't i'm butch Harmon's son and that's kind of a cool thing <laughs> you know, it's, pretty cool. it's been cool for me to to have that opportunity and um you know it's there's going to be positives and negatives with that but i don't think it's a negative 
Cool. Claude, thank you for taking the time. I, I got to talk to you a little the other day. I know how busy your schedule is. You, and I truly appreciate you taking the time. I, I think, listen, you know, we, everybody that's listening, we're all just really lucky. You know, we're lucky to be able to, to work outside, to, to be a part of a, a great game. And, you know, we are in a very, very interesting and amazing time in golf instruction. You know, we've never had the opportunity at this point to be able to do more with our students. We can measure them. We can know exactly what they're doing physically. We can know what they're doing with the golf club, all of that. But the one thing that I want to end on by saying to everybody is don't ever forget that this is the computer. When you're looking at golf swings, what's happening is in front of you. You're seeing it with your eyes. All the technology, TrackMan, whatever it is, all of that is just, it's just technology. They're computers. So you have a computer in your eyes and you, you know, what my dad said, see things faster. Try and see things and use your eyes. If you're someone that uses a lot of technology, if you're using a lot of launch monitors, if you're using swing catalyst, K-Best, or whatever it is, great. But all of that stuff should really just be kind of what you already know, right? And unless you're looking at the difference in someone's wrist angle, like a biomechanist would be between the difference between this and that, and you want to know the difference in the degrees and all that, that's fine. But you should be able to look at a golf swing and watch someone hit a golf ball and whatever the $30,000 launch monitor tells you it just did, if you're surprised, please quit and get a new job. Because all of the technology that we have available today should just be reinforcing what you already are seeing with your eyes, with what the divot's doing, with what the ball flight's doing, where it's starting, with all of that. When you look at the TrackMan numbers and you're you're surprised that the the 20 handicappers seven down on it and the path is 15 to the left. If you're surprised by that, <laughs> maybe look for alternate work. The, in, the technology should just reinforce what you see. You'll see a couple of things every now and then and go, you know, if you're looking at Swing Catalyst or 3D, every now and again, you'll kind of see some stuff and you'll go, oh, I haven't seen that before. Oh, wow, I didn't, yeah, okay, now that makes sense. But the majority of the time, if you're using technology, it should just be reinforcement for you to say to the student, remember when I told you you were doing that? This is what you're doing. And that's why we are in a amazing time in golf instruction. It's really cool. It's going to be fun to see where the next um, 10 years take us. Claude, awesome stuff. Thanks again for the time. Thanks, everybody, for having Appreciate me. Appreciate everything you do. We'll talk soon, buddy. Listen to the podcast. More downloads. More downloads every Wednesday. Off course with Claude Harmon. Come on. Don't forget the tour coach. I need the the money. The tour coach, too. I need that money more than Claude. It's okay. That's not true. (laughs) See you guys later. See See you guys soon. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Tour Coach. I want to take a minute and thank Cordy Walker and Golf Science Lab, as well as my sponsors, Shrikshan, Buick, Bushnell, and Vineyard Vines, for helping make all of this possible and helping me share my insights with you. If you like what you've heard, why don't you check out more on the Dew Sweepers channel on YouTube, as well as the Dew Sweeper on Instagram, or go to dewsweepersgolf.com to find out more about my teaching, my travels, and where you can find out more about me.